The sermon today is drawn from Matthew chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king, behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and have come to worship him. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he inquired of them where the Christ was to be born. So they said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for thus it is written by the prophet, But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are not the least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you shall come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had secretly called the wise men, determined from them what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the young child. And when you have found him, bring back word to me, that I may come and worship him also. When they heard the king, they departed. And behold, the star which they had seen in the east went before them, till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceedingly great joy. When they had come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him, gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Then, being divinely warned in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed for their own country another way. This is the word of the Lord. We're excited and privileged to have, um, while Chris is away, our friend Drew Yamamoto to come preach for us. Thank you, Joyce. Um, it's such a privilege to join with you all to worship Jesus. Um, as Ted was praying earlier, I'm reminded just how connected we are. Uh, you all prayed for our church, Trinity Church. Um, you prayed for the school that I taught at last year, Donum Day, which my wife also teaches at this year. And um, it's just such a beauty, beautiful thing to see how connected the church in San Francisco is. And how we are all on mission together for the name and sake of our Lord and King, Jesus Christ. You know, um, as when Chris asked me to, to preach, he's, this wasn't the first time he asked me, but this is the first time I was able to preach, I was reminded that the job of a guest preacher is to make the regular preacher sound good. And, um, you know, he... Uh, in, in all fairness, he's, I've had Chris preach for me a few times, and so I don't know what that means. But what I do know is that um, over the last few months, Chris and I, we've had a wonderful time of just praying together, of just fellowshipping together, and just really um, sharing our hearts for, for the city together. And we had the opportunity just last Sunday, actually, to have a joint worship service um, with First Presbyterian and with Trinity. Now, we were thinking of originally doing a, a Christmas Eve service um, together, and that didn't work out, and it was good that it didn't work out. And as it didn't work out, Chris reminded me, and he said a great thing that I take to heart and I'll cherish forever. And he said that, um, you know, just like uh, First Presbyterian here, uh, Trinity is a church that is a little more liturgical. It's a church that um, also pays attention a little bit more to the the Christian calendar to the church calendar. And he said, 
The, the church calendar is a great servant, but an awful master. Now, when he said that, he meant that, you know, it's a great tool to use and use it for its benefits, but don't feel beholden to it. Don't feel like this is something that you have to hold to. And I wholeheartedly agree. And so we had our joint service last Sunday, a service of lessons and carols, and we had a chance to worship God together as one church, two locations, but one church here in San Francisco. And so it's such a joy to be able to, uh, to proclaim the gospel today, to um, worship God with you all today. And so, as Joyce just read, um, we started out in the book of Matthew. And one of the interesting things, obviously, this is a, a story that we've all heard many times. It's a story that's often associated with Christmas. But, uh, but I was reminded as we read, as we had this read, as I studied this passage, that um, oftentimes the Christmas story gets conflated and mixed into this this mishmash that isn't quite accurate. It's, it's, uh, we, we, miss, we put all the stories together, especially because of Christmas pageants and the ways that it's easier and nice to condense everything together. And yet the church calendar does inform us that um, the visit of the Magi, which comes um, later, um, which is celebrated on January 6th, it reminds us that it's not necessarily part of the Christmas story. It reminds us that there that time has passed between Christmas on the 25th to uh, to Epiphany on the 6th, but it also reminds us as we're not uh, as it is a great servant as the calendar is a great servant that uh, there's room to talk about that on a day other than Epiphany. And so, before we go into kind of studying this passage, please join me in a word of prayer. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, uh, we praise you and we thank you for all the tools that you have given us, tools that we use to worship you, to worship Jesus, our risen Savior, to worship the Holy Spirit, which dwells within us. I pray that you would give us eyes to see and ears to hear the beauty of your gospel. I pray that I would be faithful in proclaiming your word and that we would be faithful as your people in proclaiming it into the streets of San Francisco. We pray all these things in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Now, Matthew is one of the four Gospels. I'm sure everyone here is familiar with that. And each of the Gospels kind of has its own personality, its own sort of style. And the style that Matthew, the approach that Matthew takes in his Gospel is that he writes his gospel as a book declaring Jesus as king. And we understand this in the context that if Jesus is king and as Matthew is declaring Jesus to be king, then there's things, other things that, Jesus, that Matthew is declaring. Matthew is declaring that Jesus is king, so that means that Caesar cannot be king, nor, can, nor does it, and it also means that Herod cannot be king. And so Matthew is setting this up in the very beginning of his gospel, proclaiming that Jesus is king, not Herod, not Caesar. And in this story, we see that the Magi, who were not Jewish, who were pagan, they were pagan, they were astronomers, 
probably from the land of Persia. And they come and they seek out this king, the king of the Jews. They seek out the king of the Jews. And they seek him out through the sky. They're astrologers. They're astronomers. Same profession in the ancient world. And they seek Jesus out. They seek out the king of the Jews through the stars. And I'm reminded, as we see this, that God met the Magi where they were at. They were astronomers. So God sends a star to light the path for them to find Jesus. They were astronomers, so he uses nature. Some people think that it was a confluence of Saturn and of Jupiter. Some think that it's a shooting star. Whatever the case may be, God met the Magi where they were through the sign. But he also met them, and he spoke through the dreams. He met them in their dreams. And we see God speaking to people in dreams throughout Scripture, but especially we see this in the Gospel of Matthew. He speaks to Joseph earlier on in this, in this Gospel. He tells Joseph to marry Mary. Now I think for people like Ted who are from New Jersey, Mary, M-A-R-R-Y, and M-A-R-Y, Mary, the mother of Jesus, are pronounced differently, but for this California kid, pronounce it the same. So, Jesus, so God speaks to Joseph, to Mary, M-A-R-R-Y, Mary, M-A-R-Y. And he speaks through this dream. He also speaks to Joseph in a dream to flee to Egypt as Herod is attempting to, per, to find Jesus. He informs Joseph to flee to Egypt. And he also, through a dream, tells Joseph to return, but not to, not to Bethlehem, but to return to Judea, to return to go to Nazareth. And near the end of the book of Matthew, Matthew writes that Pilate's wife was also spoken to by God through a dream. This person, another pagan, another person who did not place their faith in Jesus. He spe God speaks to him, to her, and through her to Pilate. And that message is for Pilate to not to get involved with Jesus. And so we, speak, we see that God meets people where they're at, both Jewish people as well as pagans. And we also see that here in this passage, that the Magi worshipped and gave gifts to Jesus. Now, I think this is something that everyone is familiar with. We see that the Magi arrive. They arrive to where Jesus is. And, you know, unlike what we, we think of in the Christmas pageants, they don't arrive with the shepherds. They don't arrive, they probably don't arrive to a manger scene, but they probably arrive a year or two later. But they come and they worship and they give gifts to Jesus. As I was reading these gifts, which we're all familiar with, familiar with gold. Some of us might be familiar with frankincense. I got to admit, I'm not quite as familiar. And some of us are probably familiar with myrrh. And I got to admit, I'm not familiar with, I wasn't familiar with that as well. And in these gifts, we see 
first and foremost, that there are signs of who Jesus is, right? Gift of gold was a gift that was worthy for a king. When my kids or little kids draw images of kings and queens, they draw images of crowns, usually with yellow marker or crayon to symbolize the gold, the gold of the crowns that the kings wear. It's also seen as a symbol of purity. Now, frankincense, this is one of those things, once again, where we don't see much in, modern, in our modern days, unless maybe you're into essential oils. And I think frankincense and myrrh has made a little bit of a, comp, a comeback because of essential oils. But frankincense was a symbol, a gift to deity. It was a symbol of priesthood. And frankincense being incense, and we see it's used as a symbol of prayer. And so we see that this gift of frankincense points to Jesus being the high priest, a high priest who would intercede with, between God and with humankind. And finally, myrrh. Myrrh was used in the making of anointing oils. And so this was a way where the Magi are showing us that Jesus was Messiah. It's easy to forget, but the term Messiah and also Christ, we're reminded, means the anointed one. And so we're reminded that through the gift of myrrh, that Jesus is the Christ, the Messiah. Myrrh was also used when people died. It was used to anoint. And it also predicts this death that Jesus would face. This sacrifice where he would give his life for the sake of those who love him and for those who are called to him. We're reminded that myrrh was mixed with wine when Jesus hung on the cross and was offered to him. And we're reminded that myrrh was mixed with aloe after Jesus had died and as he was being buried by Joseph of Arimathea. Seventy-five pounds or so of aloe and myrrh were mixed together to help in the burial process of Jesus. And so these are the things that we're reminded of. But we're also reminded, and the, and the hearers of the time would be reminded of the story that we see found in Exodus 30. In Exodus 30, as Moses is tasked to build the tabernacle, we see gold make his appearance. And gold is used to cover the altar of incense in the tabernacle. And so gold is poured over, and the altar is covered and laid with gold, the altar of incense, where the incense would be lit. And we see that frankincense was brought together with other types of incense and mixed into the special incense that would be lit, that would be lit before, before the ark, which symbolized the throne of God. And we also see that the myrrh was also used in, in Exodus 30 as a type of incense, 
as an anointing oil, and it was used to anoint things within the tabernacle as well. And now these are things that the original listeners would be hearing, would be seeing, would be reminded of. And these are important things to remember. But then the question becomes, how does that matter to us in 2022? How does that matter to us today? So many centuries, so many millennia removed from the events. First, in the tabernacle, but secondly, in the life of Jesus. And I think that this passage reminds me, and it should remind all of us, a few things. The first question that comes to mind to me is what are the kings that reign in our lives? Now, as for those of us who follow Jesus, who claim to be followers of Christ and who do our best to follow him, Jesus is our king. But if we're honest, there's kings, there's idols that compete for that throne on our hearts. And I wonder, what are the other kings that attempt to rule over us? What are the other kings? What are the Caesars? What are the Herods in our lives that try to usurp the throne of Jesus? Matthew reminds us that Jesus is king, not Caesar. Jesus is king and not Herod. And I think Matthew challenged the readers, the original hearers, and he challenges us today. If Jesus is king, what are the other kings that need to stop being the kings in our lives? Secondly, I'm reminded, as the Magi traveled from the east to, to Judea and eventually to Bethlehem, that we journey in community, but we, don't journey, and we do not journey just by ourselves. Now, the Christmas story, it doesn't tell us how many Magi there were. There, we know that they weren't kings. We know that um, wise men is also um, an interesting translation to use. They were astron astronomers and astrologers. But we do know that there were more than one. And that they made this pilgrimage, this journey to Jesus, this journey from the east, probably from Persia, but this journey of about at least 500 miles to Bethlehem as the crow flies. They made this journey in community and not just by themselves. There may have been three, as tradition likes to say. There may have been more. We don't know. But the point is that we journey in community, not just by ourselves. Now, just as the wise men or the magi traveled in community to Jesus, I believe that God is calling all of us here at First Presbyterian, back at Trinity, at all his churches here in the city, but all his churches around the world to journey in community, not just by ourselves. Because it's too hard to journey by ourselves. It's too hard and unfaithful, dare I say, to journey by ourselves. 
because God has called us together as his church. He has called us together to walk alongside, to support one another. It was so beautiful to hear the prayer earlier and to see all the different ways that that first prayer prays for one another and is aware of the needs. Not just here at First Pres, but in the churches around the city. It's beautiful that you don't pray just for each other, but you pray for your families and for your loved ones and for those who are not directly in this community. And I'm reminded through all that that we journey together, just as the Magi did. We do not just journey together, but I believe that we discern God's will together as well. I was just uh, had the privilege of having Jack and Joyce over for, uh, for New Year's Day dinner or lunch, which eventually turned into a New Year's Day uh, dinner. We spent the whole day together, and it was beautiful. Uh, New Year's Day is a special day for, for our family. Um, and so as we were sharing and as we were talking, we started to talk shop, myself and Joyce. And, um, you know, I, was, I mentioned that, you know, we need to discern God's... At the end of the day, it's true that we are responsible for our walk as followers of Jesus. But we're also, because God has placed us in this beloved community, that we don't discern things just by ourselves. We don't make decisions just by ourselves. But we do so in community. We ask community to pray for, ourselves, for each other. We invite community to pray for us. And we invite community to speak truth, to speak wisdom into our lives. And as the wise men, as the Magi journey from the east to Jerusalem, undoubtedly, as they followed the star, they spoke in community and navigated together as well. Finally, my last point, and my last question for us, as we start off this year, as 2022 begins, and as it's such a great time to kind of reset our rhythms and our routines, what are the gifts that we need to give to Jesus? Now, here in this narrative, we see that the Magi, they get to Jesus. They worship him and give him gifts. They give him gold, frankincense. They give him mirth. And in doing so, giving the gifts played a practical role, I'm sure. As uh, many commentators like to say that after this, as the as a family, as Joseph, Mary, and Jesus flee to Egypt, the gold, the frankincense, and myrrh could have provided for their needs um, as they were um, very valuable. Frankincense and myrrh were thought to be as valuable, if not more valuable than gold at that time. But it probably provided for their trip to Egypt and then back to Nazareth. But in giving these gifts, it allowed the Magi to have open hands, and to receive from God. In holding our gifts, especially when we hold them too tightly, we wind up in a place where we are unable to receive from God. By giving gifts, whatever they may be, 
it allows our hands to be open to receive from God. And I don't know about you, but one thing I struggle with is that I struggle with I struggle with holding on to the gifts that God has given me. I struggle with sometimes desiring the gift more than the giver. I struggle with holding, I hold on to these gifts not to be used. And I place my faith in the gifts that God has given me, not in the finished work of Jesus, not in the cross, not in the gospel. And so, what are the gifts that you need to give, that you need to give to Jesus so that you may receive ever more abundantly from Jesus the abundant life, the eternal life, a purpose, a vision, and a mission to be a blessing here in San Francisco unto the ends of the earth. We've journeyed to Jesus. And 2022 will be a year where we are challenged to journey from Jesus into the world, into the community that he so loves. To be his hands, to be his feet, to be his presence in this lost and broken world so loved by God. Please take a moment to kind of reflect on this and I will close our time this message in a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we are so grateful that you meet us where we're at, just like you met the Magi. You met them where they were at, and you led them to your son. We are thankful that you have given us gifts, gifts that you have that we lay down in front of our King Jesus because he is worthy. We are grateful that as we lay down our gifts to Jesus, it frees us up to receive from Jesus and to go into this world to share this gospel of hope, to remind us and to help us to remind others that we are loved, that grace is the rule, not the exception, to remind us that love is truly above all and that love is personified in Jesus Christ and that love is seen in his relationship with you and with the Holy Spirit. Send us out as people of grace. Send us out as people of love. Help us to remember these things. In Jesus' name, I pray. Amen.